0: You are Locked On Clemson, your daily podcast on the Clemson Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Clemson Nation, what is up? Welcome to the Locked On Clemson Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day, Monday through Friday. A Daily Glance into Clemson Athletics, and we're going to cover all of Clemson Athletics here. I'll start you out with some news and notes coming up here in just a few moments. Get you caught up on some things going on around Clemson football, which is off this week. Enjoying a chance to recoup, heal up, and get ready for Florida State on November 21st. But still, a lot of things going on around the program. update you on that. Finally today, going to have a special guest. William Qualkenbush is going to join me. And we're going to be talking all Clemson athletics with him. He is the co-host of the 5th Quarter Show that follows Clemson football games on the Clemson Tigers Network. He also calls women's basketball play-by-play and baseball play-by-play for the Clemson Tigers Network. And he's also the co-host of Out of Bounds with Kelly Gramlich from noon to 3 on 105.5 The Roar. My name is Brad Sinkoff. I am your host. You can follow me on Twitter. That's at Brad Sinkoff, S-E-N-K-I-W. Speaking of the news, let's dive right into what's going on around the Clemson program. Head coach Dabo Sweeney met with the media his one and only time this week and provided some injury updates. And that's the key news coming out of this week thus far. If you remember, talked about it on Monday, a lot of injuries occurred Throughout the course of that Notre Dame game, Clemson already went into that contest on the road without three defensive starters, lost several more, including defensive tackle Brian Brzee, Nolan Turner, Andrew Booth, uh, Lennon Zanders, all defensive backs, and Justin Maskell, a defensive end. So it was a a lot of banged up players coming out of that game. Plus, on the offensive side of the ball, Matt Bockhorst, the left guard, had to come out. And Trevor Lawrence was unavailable. But in terms of what Coach Winnie had to say, it sounds like everything's going to be somewhat okay. He didn't feel like any of the injuries were serious among those defensive guys. And that's really good news, especially for Brian Brzee. The freshman defensive tackle, that's position Clemson cannot be thin on right now. He suffered some sort of knee injury, but they say it's not any, there's no ligament damage to be concerned about. That's a really huge plus for he and for the Tigers and then uh, everybody else, Coach Winnie said, is just kind of banged up right now, but he thinks they're going to be okay. Didn't think they were severe injuries suffered against Notre Dame. However, the Tigers will be without wide receiver Frank Latson. He's had a bad luck season thus far, and it continued on Saturday as he hurt his foot against Notre Dame. He's going to miss multiple weeks. That's a big blow to the receiving core that is already struggling to have Joseph Ngata on the field who plays the same position as Latson, and God has been dealing with An ab strain. He even came out of the game the other night for a little bit. So Clemson's banged up a little bit at receiver. Latson trying to get healthy, trying to get him back. He had a hip pointer a week and a half ago that caused him the Boston College game. Before the season started, he was in quarantine for what seemed like forever. He missed the first week and a half or so of fall camp as he was dealing with contact tracing and whatnot. Having to follow the guidelines and the protocols at the time. So Frank Latson got a, a late start into fall camp and now here he is banged up for the second time in the regular season and it looks like he's going to be out for uh, at least a few games. Also to note, Coach Sweeney said that Tyler Davis and Mike Jones Jr., the defensive tackle and the linebacker respectively who missed the Notre Dame game, big keys to this defense. They need them on the field. He expects to get them back on the field for Florida State in a week and a half. And that's going to be huge news. It's going to be a huge break. If the Tigers can pull that off. Because Tyler Davis, as I've talked about many times, very vital to the success. Very, very vital. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit with William Qualkenbush. Also, Coach Winnie updated a little bit on James Skowski. Sounds like it's going to be a little bit longer on Skowski. He's he's making some headway. He's, he's going through his rehab after he had his groin scoped a couple weeks ago. He's already missed, uh, I think, three games now. And I don't think he'll be available for Florida State. He probably won't be available for Pitt. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out until either maybe maybe they try to squeeze him in there against Virginia Tech, the last game of the regular season, but with a bye week following that because the ACC is going to have some makeup games, and then they're going to play the conference championship on December nineteenth. My guess is you may not see James Skowski until the ACC championship game, and I, I'm a little bit of speculation there, but Coach Winnie did say he will miss multiple more weeks, so I think there's going to be a little bit of time before. Tigers get back that very key middle linebacker, and it's going to be up to Tyler Venables to continue to play that role and try to play it well. Also, Trevor Lawrence is back. That's right, the star quarterback for the Tigers. Practiced uh, beginning on Monday, back full go, as Coach Laney said, after Monday's practice. So it looks like everything is good to go on Trevor Lawrence, who dealt with COVID-19, contracted a couple weeks ago, missed the Boston College game. And then had to miss Notre Dame game, even though he traveled with the team, because he was still going through some cardiac tests and had to had to go through all the protocols and everything to make sure he was 100% healthy and ready to get back to action. And talk to Trevor this week. was you know, He, he kind of documented some of the things that he went through. He was feeling a little bit ill, thought it was a cold, or his allergies were just bothering him on the Monday before the Boston College game. And then it got a little bit worse, and then by Thursday – he woke up and he felt terrible. It felt like he had had some flu-like symptoms, and then that's when he got the call from Clemson that he had COVID nineteen and he tested positive and he was going to miss the Boston College game. And then he found out a couple of days later when he was there on Saturday, or he found out from Coach Sweeney on Saturday with the trainers and the doctors. That's when they said, "Hey, there's just too many protocols to go through. The time frame does not work out. The timeline, and you're going to have to miss Notre Dame." Coming up next, William and Bush is going to join me and discuss all things to Athletics. Life's stressful enough uh, with work, with politics, with everything going on in the world, COVID-19, you name it, family, friends, stress everywhere you go. Sometimes you just got to chill out, you know. Sometimes you just need something to relax, flip on the game. You don't even care who's on. Who cares who's playing football? You need a chance to reset. Do that with an ice-cold course light. That's what I reach for. When it's time to hit the reset button, you can do that, too, because it is cold logged, cold-loggered, cold-packaged. Literally, it's made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as those Colorado Rockies. Perfect for that moment to unwind while you watch the game, no matter who's on TV. So when you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is literally made to chill. You can now get Coors Light in the new look. Deliver straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get. Dot celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I get it. You're a health conscious guy. You want to eat right. You want to put good things in your body. You want to get the right amount of protein. You want to make sure you're not overloading with too much sugar, too much carbs, all that kind of stuff. But man, sometimes it's hard for it to taste good. That's why they invented Bill Bar. Bill Bar and the new deliciouser and improved Bill Bar wants you to have that great taste, something satisfying, something you enjoy eating, And at the same time, get all those things you want. How about the Coconut Almond Bilt Bar, which comes with 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You're going to feel like you're eating a candy bar. You're going to feel like you're cheating here. But you're not. It's for the health-conscious guy. It helps lose or maintain weight while indulging in a really delicious treat. Low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great-for-keto diet, and 18 amazing flavors. Go to... Biltbar.com and type in the promo code locked on. That's locked on in the promo code. Going to give you 20% off your order at BuiltBar.com. And now joining me here on the Locked On Clemson podcast is William Qualkenbush. He is the co host of Out of Bounds with Kelly Grammick on 1055 The Roar, also part of the Clemson Tigers Network. Qualk does the 15 or the fifth quarter show right after Clemson football games. He also play by play. For women's basketball, baseball, he is a man of so many talents, so many resources, and I'm thankful to have him here on the show today. You can call him Qualk, I call him Qualk, he's just Qualk. How you doing today, sir?
0: You know what, I'm doing great, Brad, and I gotta say, I appreciate you saying I'm a man of many talents, really, I do one talent just a bunch of different ways, so I'm a, I'm a one talent person. Uh, the second thing is, you said it was the 15th quarter, and that's how I felt on Saturday after double <laughs> overtime, so I appreciate you... Uh, Taking me back to like two AM when we just signed off on Saturday. That was that was really nice.
1: Well, that's way more accurate, is it not than the fifth quarter show? So at least my accuracy on, on some of that was correct.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. There's no it felt like fifteen full quarters too, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Quark, let's get into
1: some football. I do want to talk to you about baseball and basketball as well, but we'll start with what's going around the football program and and really, I, I want to start with your thoughts on just how things are going with this COVID-19 world, this pandemic world we're living in, what it's like for college football, what it's like for you. Uh, I know you're you're usually you're all over the place. You know, you're doing many different things, many different places and probably a little bit different. How has COVID-19 affected the way that you uh, do college football and cover college football?
0: It's really I mean, I know you didn't ask me about high school, but it's impacted high school a yeah, lot more even than, more than college. Um, my job is easy because the only thing that I've missed, and I mean it's a big thing, but it's only really one aspect, is just going to the stadium. I haven't been able to do that yet this year for home or away. Normally, I'm not going to away games anyway, so you just kind of miss that environment. Um, I've been in the studio every game, so my job is very it's very similar. Uh, it's it's not really it's not really changed a whole lot. Um, the only thing, and this like this will get more pronounced, I think, women's basketball and baseball, because the contact we got with football because I'm a little more removed from that one is a little more removed. You know, we get a few interviews every week and things like that in a normal year, but with women's basketball, I'm around them all the time. Like I'll go work out in the weight room. I'll talk to them. I can talk to the coaches. I can go to practice. Like I just get, I get so much access to that. And it makes me better at my job because I factor those conversations and those interactions in when I'm calling a play, when I'm calling a game, when I can provide a little bit of context, to a performance or a scheme or, or something like that. And then baseball is the very same way. I actually felt like I was getting into a really good groove in terms of like really vibing with the coaches and vibing with the players right when the, you know, when the pandemic shut everything down in the spring. And so that's the thing that I miss the most is getting to, you know, build the relationships and and getting to use that to be, to be better. Calling games and to give the audience a little bit of an inside scoop Um, High school, I haven't had an intern this year because of space and press boxes, and so I've been keeping my own stats, and uh, we only had seven games this year, normally got 11, and uh, it feels like about 15 because it's hard to keep your stats when calling a game, but football's probably the the least um, disruption there just from a, you know, get ready for a game standpoint because we didn't have as much access, comparatively speaking, uh, to that one than some of the other sports.
1: Yeah, I, I can imagine uh, that high school has probably been just a different world for you in, in some ways and had to, to maneuver things. And also not just knowing week to week, you don't know who's going to play, who you're going to have to cancel and move things around. And, I mean, that's affected college football. Clemson's been fortunate not to be involved in that kind of scenario, but a lot of other teams have and a lot of ACC teams have. Do you think the conference, do you think NCAA football as a whole and uh, the other various conferences handled this well? I know the SEC is on the brink of losing potentially a ton of games this week.
0: You know, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I think the ACC, SEC, and Big Twelve did it right because they built in a lot of uh, wiggle room for themselves. Uh, the Big Ten and the Pac twelve, there were a lot of people giving boys and you know six feet away pats on the back to the Big Twelve and the or the Big Ten, and the Pac twelve rather when they were just being so cautious and they were you know, they were just going to go so gently and walk so carefully. And then nothing changed and they decided to play because of things that the Big 12, ACC and SEC were telling them the whole time, these things exist. We have them. And then the Big 10 was like, well, we found this thing and now we can play. It was ridiculous. So for the Big 10 and the Pac-12, they're trying to thread a a needle uh, in a way that's impossible because you're, I mean, Cal – has already said basically we can't play in Berkeley if we have anybody in contact tracing. We're not playing. Uh, you know, the Big Ten, Wisconsin. They look like gangbusters against Illinois. And then all of a sudden they're out to maybe three weeks. We'll see about this week. I mean, we're recording this right now. We don't know if Wisconsin's necessarily gonna play. It looks like they're gonna play Michigan, but we don't we don't know that for a fact. Uh, and then in the SEC, you mentioned like LSU Alabama, Texan and Tennessee, done. Ole Miss is having issues. So their game with South Carolina might be on the the back burner a little bit. We've seen why already at LSU they've had issues. ACC just had a game uh, postponed. And it looks like cases are rising a little bit. I think some of it is that people don't, you know, it's hard to make people care that much. You know, I mean, it's just you're in a country of 330 million people. Not everybody's just going to comply with everything that they're supposed to do all the time. And you've got college students who probably, like, went to house parties, you know, in sexy costumes for Halloween and stuff like that. I mean, that's just – that's that's college, right? I mean. Uh, you and I—we're not in college right now, but we remember it, right? That's—that's that's what you do. And so, I mean, t- bottom line, it's hard. It, like, it's really hard. It's not as simple as going to a bubble, going to a site for postseason baseball, sitting at Disney World for months on it. Like, it's—it's it's not that simple. Even the NFLs had a big uptick in cases because it's just not easy to do this. I, I think basketball is going to be really uh, super disrupted as well because. We've seen with other sports that people don't care about as much like volleyball, men's and women's soccer in the fall, that if you have one player that has COVID and he or she was around four teammates, you're not playing because of contact tracing. And so I I think basketball is really going to have a hard time, too. And we saw the ACC schedule come out and they don't have any wiggle room. They're just like, well, if you don't play, you're probably not playing. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. As of right now, ACC, SEC, Big 12, A grade, just because nobody knew what to do and they just tried their best and they gave themselves wiggle room, Big 10, Pac-12, like a D minus because they, they just didn't do a very good job of, of giving themselves an out and, and going where the science led – boldly with confidence trying to do the most good for the most people
1: yeah i'm very worried about basketball and I, I got some basketball questions for you coming up in just a little bit let let's go back to something uh let's go back to clemson and COVID 19 with well, trevor lawrence obviously missed an important game this past saturday night at notre dame and that i don't know if if his absence affected the outcome of the game because dj longole played his absolute tail off in this one but quote, qual- this was the first loss 36 regular season game streak comes to an end. Put in perspective, kind of what that means. I mean, Clemson fans are not used to seeing an L anywhere in that in that color. Not seeing a number in that L column whatsoever. So, what has been the what's been the response and then what is kind of I guess the perception of, of how that game played out in your eyes?
0: Well, I think it's interesting that Clemson lost its quarterback, and that's really the prevailing storyline is, you know, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence, but when they get Trevor Lawrence back, they're totally going to beat Notre Dame the second time. I heard that so many times. We'll we'll see what happens when they get Trevor Lawrence back. That's not a big deal to me because DJ Uyunglele threw for more yards than any player in history against Notre Dame. I, I mean, I don't need to list off the quarterbacks that have played against Notre Dame. Matt Leiner and Carson Palmer come immediately to mind. I mean, they played Heisman Trophy winners that didn't throw up as so many yards as a freshman in a second start. Quarterback play is not the issue at Clemson right now. The issue is offensive line can't block for Travis Etienne. And I would go further and say three of your top four receivers as you exited last season, Justin Ross, Frank Ladson, Joseph Ngata, are not there. Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, Brandon Spector, God bless them, but they're not, you're not scared of them beating you 50 yards down the field. You're just not. You are scared of Ladson. You're probably scared of Engada and you're definitely scared of Justin Ross. And so I think when you don't scare people down the field, then it means people can creep up. People can stack the line of scrimmage. People can focus on Travis Etienne. And so I think there are offensive line issues there and passing game issues that make it harder for Clemson to run the ball. So with all that said, they're not scoring three or six, they're scoring like 40 still. It's just a, a little bit like fingernails on the chalkboard defensively you lost like the, the exact right mix of guys to make you feel terrible about yourself. James Skalski is out. Uh, Tyler Davis is out. I mean, we talk about baseball. If you're good up the middle, you're probably good pitcher, catcher, shortstop, second base, center field, a lot of organizations in major league baseball draft up the middle and then they find corners when they're, they get a shortstop that's too tall or puts on too much weight or something like that. You draft up the middle, you develop up the middle, you win in baseball. It's the same way in football. If you're good up the middle on defense, you can probably stop people. When you got your second string defensive tackle as a freshman, you got your second string Mike linebacker, you got your second string uh, Nickel Sam linebacker, you're down a couple of defensive ends, you're down your best corner in Andrew Booth, you're down your top two safeties at the end of the game. Of course, you're not going to stop Notre Dame. That's just the way it is. So for Clemson, we found out that there is a limit to we too deep. There is a limit to next man up. You can't just say that when you run out of next men. Ask Bill Belichick how well that works. It works good for 20 years, and then you finally get to a season where there's no next man, and all of a sudden that sing-songy phrase next man up that everybody likes to have, everybody thinks they have a next man up mentality, sometimes you run out of next men. And I think Clemson kind of did against Notre Dame. So I'm not not super surprised um, that we saw some weaknesses from Clemson. I am a little surprised that Clemson lost a close game because Clemson doesn't lose close games. When you beat Clemson, you beat them normally in the first three quarters. You don't beat them at the end. You don't beat them You know when it's a nip-and-tuck game. At the end, Clemson finds a way to win. And uh, that's the first time in a long time you could say that about a Clemson team.
1: No doubt. Qualk, you're a stat guy. You're an analytics guy. You and I talk numbers all the time. Uh, when you look at Clemson's numbers, give me one thing that really stands out to you about this team right now, whether it's concern or a
0: surprise. But what's one number you're like, that's, that's off or that's not right or, wow, they really need to build on that? You know what's interesting? I looked on Saturday, and one thing that, that I thought would be true was that Notre Dame dominated Clemson on first down. And really the last two games, I think Clemson had a problem on first down. Clemson, it, it wasn't that much worse than Notre Dame, but it is surprising to me that on 36 first down plays, Clemson was tackled for a loss nine times. Wow! That means second, third, and fourth down, Brad, Clemson was tackled for a loss one time. So you're behind the chains a quarter of the time on – not just behind the chains, you're behind the line of scrimmage a quarter of the times on first down. And I believe it was like five or six times they got no yards. You're, you're getting toward like 40 to 50% of your first downs where you're going nowhere. Now the good news for Clemson is, particularly in the second half, Notre Dame was doing the same song and dance, that they were in second, nine, second, 11, second, and 12. I'm not worried about that against Florida State. I'm not really worried about that against Virginia Tech. I'm a tad worried against Pittsburgh. Because they they're well coached on the defensive front, I think you've got to get healthy on that offensive line. You got to get Matt Bakhorse back. You got to get some receivers back. Hopefully, you'll see Joseph and Gotta play. You know, he caught the one pass and then banged his knee and he was out. Um, that to me is a big one because the you know the the inefficiency on first down it makes you worse as a play. Excuse me, it makes you worse as a play caller. It makes Tony Elliott worse as a play caller because you get behind those chains. You have, there's nothing you can do. You get backed up in possession. Clemson's first four possessions, three of them were like the nine and the six and the fifteen or something like that. You're not calling good plays from from that. So you started the game already, not able to run your script like you wanted, not able to set up what you wanted to do, and you kind of just had to make up ground like that through the game. So this is the second game in a row that Clemson has not set the tone, and that's that's a little bit surprising. Um, I think after the open day, we'll see a little more of that, and particularly I would watch. First down, not the yards per first down, because that can be easily thrown off by a sixty-yard bomb somewhere. I'm right. talking about how many times does Clemson have second and seven or less? That's what I'm going to be monitoring throughout the season to see if Clemson fixes these issues.
1: let's get some thoughts. Clemson men's and women's basketball. You know a lot more now about schedules and and rosters and everything else. Uh, what are, what is just kind of a kind of like a you know one minute outlook on on each team uh, going into a season that really starts literally right around the corner. I mean, we're almost there. It's almost Thanksgiving.
0: And yeah, for the men's side, I'm glad we know the schedule now. It's kind of brutal. I mean, you got a couple of gimme games in there, but, I mean, like Moorhead State and South Carolina State, you still got to play well. Um, I, I'm interested to see what they do. I talked to Brad Brannelt today. I know you're going to talk to him a little bit later this week as well. I, it, it feels like he, he always has a pulse. And a lot of times the pulse on the team – is not the same as the conventional wisdom. There was one year where Clemson was picked like 12th in ACC, and he was like, I think we're going to surprise some people. And then the year after that, the Sweet 16, they were picked like fifth, sixth, or something like that. And he was like, ah, we're not top 25 worthy. Like, we're not really there. And people kind of raise their eyebrows like, what are you talking about? It feels like you have this, this, and this. He's so honest. He doesn't know how to not tell people what's happening in his program, and he feels really good. He says the deepest team that he's had – They've got three legit fives and Amir Sims, by the way, now. I mean, it's it, it's unbelievable what they got. And then at guard, last year in the opener against Virginia Tech, they started two freshmen, Alamir Dawes and Chase Hunter. Now they've got Clyde Trapp back. they still got Hunter. Hopefully he's uh, healthy. And then Alamir Dawes showed that he could take the team. He was fantastic in the ACC tournament win against Miami. He was outstanding in a bunch of games down the stretch. John Newman, Hunter Tyson, they're really excited about their freshman, P.J. Hall and Omax Prosper and now Lynn Kid, who is going to play because it doesn't cost you. He can give you a few minutes if he, you know, if he, he rounds out the body and things like that. I'm really excited. I think it's NCAA tournament team. I really do. They they've recruited really well the last couple of classes and it's starting to show on the floor. With the women, your guess is good as mine. They're going to run. I know that they don't have a true point guard, but they've got a lot of combo guards that can push the tempo. Um, they're a little bit better defensively in the front court this year than they were last year. I think they'll be. They won't be quite as good as a team that made the NCAA tournament, got to the second round in Amanda Butler's first year, but they won't be quite as uh, much of a sieve defensively up top and a little more passive as they were a season ago. And then can they find the level? You know, I think they surpassed expectations in year one, and then year two was kind of what they expect in year one. So what does this year look like with Delisha Washington coming in from Florida and now eligible? um they love gabby elliott a top 50 uh, freshman out of detroit who is a tempo pusher she is a fantastic athlete they got kendall spray one of the top returning three-point shooters in the league all that to say the league is very deep and so you don't know how much upper mobility there is i'll be interested to see if they developed inside a little bit of rebounding and uh other than kendall who can shoot the ball because i think they could finish middle of the pack and if you do that you're on Bubble Watch uh, come Selection Sunday. Great
1: stuff there, Qualt. Really appreciate you breaking down men's and women's hoops. Last thing for you if I let you run, uh, the baseball team. Is this going to be one of the most anticipated seasons in a long time considering how last year ended abruptly? And it felt like you were really getting a, getting a feel for that team, what they were going to do, and the pitching was just absolutely phenomenal last year. Do you feel like Monty Lee and, and the Tigers are – I mean, I, can can the season get here soon enough
0: for them? I am so excited to watch this team play because last year, I think they were about to have a special season because Sam Weatherly, I, Sam Weatherly was picked high in the major league draft. I think he's top 10 with a full college season. I just don't think there's any question. His slider was unhittable. His fastball was much better. He controlled it a lot better. Um, and when you can control that fastball and throw your slider in the zone sometimes, I mean, as I like to say, church is out. I mean, nobody touched him. South Carolina didn't touch him. He went against Carmen Majenski, who's a legit first-rounder, and made Majenski look average. That's how good Sam Weatherly is. Spencer Strider's not there, but they have a ton of young arms that they really like. And then a lot of the guys in the lineup that, you know, they, they rant a lot of hit and run. They were kind of choppy at it. It wasn't great. It wasn't a thing of beauty. But they've had another year to kind of get ready. Jared Broughton, their volunteer assistant who came in, is like a base-running savant. He loves it. And so I think another year with him will really help. Uh, I'm excited to see this offense go. If you can keep Kier Meredith healthy, I, that's, that's the straw that stirs the drink. He's a legit pro. He's got the athleticism. He's got the tools. He's just got to stay healthy. And then behind the play, there's a Jonathan French. Is it one of the other guys in there? Um, they didn't have French last year because he got hurt in camp. I'm interested to see him. I mean, there's, there's a lot of depth and versatility elsewhere in the field. But, man, I'm excited to watch them pitch because I think it's going to be difficult for teams to score more than about three runs if what we hear about the freshmen in camp is true. And then, I mean, bullpen last year, Carson Spires is out. He's, uh, he's with the Reds right now. But, my gosh, they, they had arms. Jeffrey Gilbert in the back. I, he may close. He may start. I'm not sure. He, he was tremendous last year. I'm excited to see if teams can score more than three runs a game against them, and I really think this is at least a four, four-and-a-half, five-run offense. I mean, at worst. So, uh, best of luck to the rest of the league trying to hit this this bunch. If they can pitch and stay healthy like they're capable.
1: Qualk, cannot thank you enough. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Talk. Pretty easy to find, pretty easy to remember. He does a great job with the Clemson Tigers Network. He's all over it on post-games with the fifth-quarter show with Mark Childress, and then he does a tremendous job play-by-play, women's basketball, baseball, and on 105.5 The Roar, catch him from noon to three with Kelly Gramling. It's out of bounds. Qualt, my friend, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Really appreciate your insight into Clemson Athletics. That's a good point. That's, that's very well said. It is it, a little different, but it is nice. Next clock have a good one my man and that's gonna do it for locked on clemson podcast make sure you hit the download and the subscribe button and be back tomorrow discuss some more clemson football including a heisman update and tigers in the pros have a great day take care talk to you tomorrow clemson nation